All right. Hello and welcome to podcast episode one. This is Keenan, and to my left is Kyla. And we're here to talk about getting married. Yeah. So um, maybe you can describe the topic of today's episode, and then we'll just get into it. So we were trying to start this podcast for a really long time. I think it was a year ago today is when we announced we had started in September. Probably not that long. It was in a year. I think it was a year and a month. Oh my gosh. Okay, so it's been a really long time. And it's been really hard to start. Um, I have a lot of battle with moving from being on a sort of more selective, small first scale audience to just opening myself up to whoever wants to hit play and listen to these kinds of things. So it's been a process in getting here. And we decided, you know, we're really excited about getting married. We got married on September 8th. And Mm -hmm. we thought, all right, this is something we're excited to share about. There's a wedding was in Canada and there were a lot of friends and family that couldn't make it just with um, traveling. And then there was a lot that did, but we wanted to share with everybody. And for being really realistic budget, we can only have, a wedding so big when you're basically paying for it yourself. Yeah, yeah. Budget-wise, we had to keep it small. Um, and then I think for lots of people, too, being destination for their budget mm-hmm. uh, can be kind of challenging. Um, so we wanted to share a little bit about it. And then we started thinking about what it is we do. And one of the topics that we talk a lot about with our teachers and coaches and each other and people who come see us first and help is uh, relationships to ourselves and also relationships to each other. So just diving in today a little bit with that relationships, the path that led us on, you know, to our relationship, some of the paths that we were walking before this and just kind of whatever comes up in between all of that. So that's what Mm -hmm. we're going to move into today. And we'll also focus um, on pre, during, and post-wedding kind of feelings, and um, I think you've prepared some questions for me, and I have some questions for you, and we'll kind of get into that, because, I mean, getting married and the emotions that go with it, you can't predict really what it's going to be, and you only know unless you've done it, because there's no way to simulate it, it's just, it's, it's its own so we'll get into that a little later yeah that's super true i i know you said just said a little later well now is a little later (laughs) yeah you're right let's just get into it now (laughs) three seconds Uh, so i felt like you know on that idea of like you can't predict it um i had no idea i was going to feel the things that i felt and it was really interesting watching all the emotions leading up to it like in the time before you know, like a month, two months, three mm-hmm. months, in the time of the a few days before. I didn't sleep for the four days before we got mm-hmm. married. I would just lay awake, and I wasn't stressed or worried necessarily. I think I just had so much energy inside. I just laid yeah. there all night awake. Well, there was a little stress. We had a lot of logistics to take care of, at least for me. Like, I was just like, okay, we also have to get all the name cards figured out. we got to make sure the flowers are arranged in the right way, because... We were mostly doing that ourselves and with the help of our friends and family. Yeah, there, there was a lot of... We were actually up till 2 o'clock the night before making table arrangements, so that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't just laying awake. 
But when I would lay down to go to sleep, I would be awake for hours and hours and hours, just like energy moving through my body, like almost like electricity, and I just I couldn't sleep. I woke up the morning of, and I was like, oh, thank God, a makeup artist is coming. Mm-hmm. My eyes were like almost swollen shut. I was so tired and so excited, but just like so charged up. Mm-hmm. And I never would have like predicted any of that, you know. Um, and then obviously the day of and then the time after and coming back and integrating, it's all been surprising, every mm-hmm. bit of it. Yeah, it was just focusing on... <clears throat> On the, on the beginning from my side of it, it, I, th- I think I w- worried and stressed about how stressful it probably was going to be so much like a, a month before, two months before, even a couple weeks before. But as soon as we got to, you know, I guess you can say Canada, we were getting married, um, I just kind of fell away. But I got this sense that a part of me was like, okay, well, you know, we have this rehearsal dinner. You should probably be stressed out about that. And like, how are you going to know how to order things? And, you know, how are you going to, what's going to be the sequence of the wedding? And it was this weird experience of trying to get myself to get more stressed than I actually was. Mm -hmm. And every time it would run through my head, it would just kind of breathe and it would go away. I was like, well, you know. The walkthrough is right now. Rehearsal dinner is right now. And all the fears I had about it aren't happening right now. So, and I love everybody here. So what was it that I was worried about? I think I was worried about maybe people not getting along or whatever, but it's our closest friends and family and everyone got along really, really well. And um, yeah, I just initially found myself wanting to be more stressed than it actually was and then once I realized that that wasn't happening it was a certain level of presence leading up to and even and especially during that I haven't felt before that was really quite amazing mm-hmm. I totally agree with that there was so much presence during that I kind of like forget if that makes sense a lot of what happened yeah it's almost like ah, I blacked out because I was up I was so there and so in the moment that I wasn't taking the same kind of mental notes that I usually take. Mm-hmm. And instead of it becoming like this this thing that I would catalog in my mind, it was a feeling and an experience. Mm-hmm. Definitely lots of feelings. So many feelings. I've never seen your face make the expressions that it made. Yeah, I've, my face has never made that <laughs> face. I don't think. I've seen the, the, some of the pictures from... <clears throat> those face moments and I don't recognize myself yeah it was the best face ever it was like um, laugh cry pure joy all the things wrapped up and trying it. to keep it together trying to keep it together you're trying so hard not to cry and then you just cried the whole time oh the whole time and like the corners of my lips were like quivering and I couldn't really feel them but they were just locked in place kind of yeah, I almost started laughing at like a really serious moment because your lips were quivering so much and yeah. you were doing the laugh cry face. I was trying to be like serious and feeling my feelings and then it was just funny. And there were moments where we were standing there and we're like, oh, maybe we should be listening to what this person's saying, but we're just looking at each other, feeling all these things and kind of laugh, like you said, laugh crying. Mm-hmm. It was a giant laugh cry. I remember, <clears throat> excuse me, my, my chest quivering and trembling and 
Your hands were shaking. Mm-hmm. And it was just really powerful and energizing. And just so it's such a unique experience. Like mm-hmm. I can't you can't even really put a um a label on so what what was that feeling? What is it? But I was I was talking to um you know my teacher on the phone and he was like yeah it just sounds like love (laughs) i was like yeah yeah i guess that is what that is in its pure raw form it was it was really incredible yeah it it gave me definitely a new understanding of the word love um this is something we've talked about uh, between each other a lot is like right now out there there's this sort of definition of love like what does it mean to love and you hear it all the time I love you I love you I love you man yeah I love you we're all brothers and sisters love you and that's like a super awesome idea to find ourselves in this state of love and presence with each other um, one of the things that I notice is our collective definition of what love is needs to go through a maturation process or even be defined. I mean, it's so loosely defined that I don't really know what it means when someone describes their version of love because right. it's specific to them. Whereas other other things, other emotions are more pure emotions. Like we know what anger is like from person to person. I don't think it deviates that much. Um, sadness, it can be a little confusing when you put in maybe grief and shame into it. So I guess there's a little bit of variance, but when we talk about sadness, most people understand what you mean. When you talk about love, I think we want to think that we know what the other means when they say, um, this is what love is, but it's so person to person. It's so individual, um, that I think you're right. Like maybe we can mature, uh, how we use the word love or even collectively make an attempt to define what it is. What is this love thing? What does it mean? And then there's on the flip side of that, the idea that how do you define something that is this like, at least in my experience, it's this really raw, pure state. That's the collection of so many different experiences in life and is probably unique to each person. So how do you put a container around that and say, this is what it is Mm -hmm. and i wonder about the purity of that state like so so often in in the past for me in my relationships with other people you know friends or past partners i had this idea you know i love you i love you and and once i found a certain level of closeness with someone through a long period of time together or sometimes through sharing a really intense experience together you know, I would, I would sort of say, oh, I love you, or think this, this must be what love is. And just looking at what it actually means to experience the feeling of love for me has shifted progressively as my journey of spiritual growth has continued. It's, it's a different thing now. And I realized I was kind of using it in this way, uh, which was interchangeable with like, I feel really close to you, mm-hmm. or I really like you. I really appreciate you. I appreciate you. you. I like spending time with you. You're like family to me. Or it was this mm-hmm. familial love, um, which I'm sure in future episodes we'll talk about 
what is really sort of like a bonding pattern between people mm-hmm. that shows up and seems like it's this this expression of love. Um, and I just didn't know the difference until I started to feel the difference. And I, it's not to say that I didn't love the people that I said I love you to. Like I, I definitely did for what my current understanding of love was yeah. at that time. Which is different now with this new experience, like getting married and the real depths of vulnerability that I had to go to to get there is something t- entirely different mm-hmm. than anything else I've experienced. And a lot of times you hear people say, you know, and, and this I think was t- for me um, 50% true and 50% not true. It was, it was both. I had this perspective like, yeah, getting married doesn't really matter. Like if somebody's committed and they're in a relationship and they're together for a long time, mm-hmm. like it's a piece of paper, no big deal. And another half would be like, it's a really big deal. It's different. It matters, all the things. Mm. So I could easily fall into either camp um, with my incredible Libra indecisiveness go mm-hmm. either way. Um, and I think that's interesting to talk about for us because um, one of the things we both agreed on was it's really different. You know, Getting mm-hmm. married isn't just a piece of paper mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. And just backing up a little bit, when you were talking about love it just made me wonder it, it must be such a difficult thing to define and probably as a result <clears throat> quite rare because what other expression of a feeling represented at its peak almost always has an audience mm-hmm. to see it mm-hmm. like there's no like happiness ceremony or <laughs> sadness ceremony but at the the peak of witnessing two people's love for one another and um, the coming together the union the joining of two people into union that gets an audience witnesses who are there to of course support you but also to receive some of that energy and also to give and witness that exchange of energy, that exchange of love. That's really true. I I think about how important creating the container of our wedding was, you know, mm-hmm. in um, in this book that we got that talked about how do we uh, create a conscious wedding ceremony. Because we didn't want to have a traditional wedding ceremony because not that there's anything wrong with that, but for us, it didn't reflect who we are. No, not at all. And, and it was definitely its own thing. Our yeah, our ceremony was definitely its own thing. And reception, and all the way down, all the way down to it. Yeah, it was de- a reflection of us and what we hold dear, and it was authentic and really, really true. And that was in and of itself one of the things I want to talk about. It was kind of terrifying to just do the things that resonate with us because mm-hmm. for some people. You know, maybe can, it's just kind of out there, you know, like the way that we... I think for a lot of people, it was really out there. Yeah. My, my grandpa said it was, like his word choice was really funny, and he explained it, so like I got it. He's like, you know, it had so much symbolism in it, and I really, really enjoyed it. I really, really loved it. And, you know, I've been to a lot of weddings. I think he's, he's in his 80s. He's like, that was the most unusual wedding I've ever experienced. And he meant it in such a like a you know kind of a, a cute way, un, unusual, not of the of the ordinary, not in the judgmenty way, but it was still funny to be able to 
repeat what he said and be like, yeah, it was pretty unusual. Yeah, it was a little weird. It was a little weird. It was a little weird. <laughs> and that was uh, that was a growing edge for me because I had a lot of like, oh, what are people gonna think if we're, you know, we did we did a hand fasting ceremony, you know, we had uh, a most amazing woman that we just both love and adore so much uh, officiating for us mm-hmm. and one of the sort of guidelines that we gave her is um, you know don't have it be super structured and planned like leave space for the sacred to come through leave mm. space for the spontaneous to come through and that's a really big job to give someone um, when they're standing up in front of 70 people and you know uh, feeling entrusted with what's one of the more pivotal moments in your entire life or as we put it like the biggest day of our lives Mm -hmm. and she did such a good job of of creating that space and and then we had another uh, woman who was a been a dear friend and mentor and just a wonderful influence on my life come up and perform the hand fasting with us um which was really special and um really kind of unusual the way that Mm -hmm. that we did it and then we jumped over a broom and then we jumped over we jumped the broom People looking at us like, oh, what are they doing is what I thought it was going to be like. But it was just like such a loving container with Mm -hmm. people witnessing our love and Mm -hmm. witnessing the energy that exists between us. And you can't put into words, um, but you could feel it. And Mm -hmm. it was it was really, really cool. And even with our ceremony, it was different than Mm -hmm. or I'm sorry, reception. It was different than a lot of things Mm -hmm. that happen. And some of it, I think I want to keep kind of like you know, uh, sacred to, to, to us and the mm-hmm. people who were there. But there was, um, you know, just different little things that we did that were a part of our daily life and the way that we pray and the way that we talk to spirit and, you know, com- communicate. It's, it's just different. And um, it was cool that we made the decision to do it. I felt really happy that we did it the way that felt right to us. Mm-hmm. And while having a dance floor, having... You know, yeah. people request whatever song they want, and it all worked out. Yeah, it did work out. And thinking about it all, leading up to that point, you know, I remember sitting. This is one of my questions that I wrote down for you. I feel like I don't want you to see my list. It'll be more. more I can't fun. read it upside down, anyways. And it's my, fun. Cur- my curses. Like, yeah, upside down and cursive. Yeah, first, you're good. First grade cursive. Um, so one of the questions I had for you was, I remember when we were sitting in Costa Rica together, like our first trip to Costa Rica, um, and oh, <laughs> made that face. I don't know what she was saying. And I'll tell a Reader's Digest version of the story, but we were sitting out at dinner at our favorite place, and I was just like, we were talking about how we're, I don't have we moved in together yet? I don't. No. Oh, we were, I mean, no, I don't think so. No, we were getting There's back no... from Costa Rica and then moving in together. That's right. That's right. And so, okay, so... After knowing each other for... Not well, that's long. another story for another Not time. Not very long at Not all. Very long. But, we, but we knew of each other for a long time. But we didn't really know time. each other. Anyways, that's another thing. Yeah, maybe we'll come back to that episode two or something. Yeah. Um, so we were sitting in this cafe in Costa Rica... And we, were, we decided we were going to move in together. He was had, was living in San Francisco at the time, and I was living in Orange County. And we both decided we were going to move in together to a new place, which we would find, which was in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Which is the worst house I've ever lived in. 
Yeah, it was pretty pretty bad. And <clears throat> even though it was pretty bad, it was still the best option of all the options that were available. It was the cheapest. The people above us were extremely caring oh and gosh, sweet. Oh my gosh, I love their family. They were so sweet. Yeah. You know, granted it wasn't very well insulated. I think it, it wasn't had insulated at all. <clears throat> no lights in the bedroom or a closet, closet. in the bedroom. <laughs> No closet, no storage in the bathroom. Literally oh nothing. God. We had a closet that we had to share in our living room. Yeah. It was over 100 years old. And, like, it's not even that it's, like, the worst house ever. It's that what you pay square footage-wise yeah. for maybe 600 square feet, but I think less than that. I think it was less. It was, like, just astronomical. Astronomical. Like, I don't even yep. know how we managed to pull it off. And so I think I would have this, like... Total resentment every single time. It was like going to Venmo them the money for it. Yep. It's like, oh my No guaranteed God. parking. You had to fight oh, for parking. Except there was ample parking right up the street. But up the street was the um, the boundary line between Oakland and Piedmont. And Piedmont doesn't want you parking in front of their houses all willy-nilly like like a, like a civilian. <laughs> like, like you live there or something. Unless you have a permit that you can only have if you live there. Clearly, I have some feelings about this. You had so many feelings about this. Like, it's every like, day. Come on. It's... It was one block away. So, we'd have to go six or seven or eight blocks away, even though there's ample parking one block away. Because of this arbitrary line. And I'm probably, it's not arbitrary, but to me, it seems very arbitrary. Well, we don't even need to get into all that. Yeah, it's, that's actually a very um, defining Charged line. topic. Yeah. Well, that'll, that'll be maybe like episode four or five. So, we've been planning a lot of episodes out. What? Like... <laughs> Public school inequality. Yeah, well, why not? Let's go there. But not today. Um, so we were living in this really, really challenging situation um, where the roof would drip down on us. Well, we weren't living there yet. Anyway, we were in Costa Rica sitting in the cafe, and I'm like, we're getting ready to move in together a week or two after we got back from Costa Rica. We've only been dating for like two and a half or three months. Mm -hmm. I don't usually make decisions like this um and but I just something inside was like yeah do it I was feeling like over Orange County I had some like really challenging situations come up um in the year and a half before mm -hmm. with one of my close friends and um that was no longer a friend and it was really hard and I didn't really want to live there anymore I'd had a long-term relationship of almost six years end that was really meaningful and I didn't want to be in that space anymore and um like all right let's do this thing so i so we decided we were moving to oakland and i was so ready to get out of san francisco what's funny about that is i like as soon as i moved there i didn't want to be there i remember the first time i fell asleep in, in san francisco in this room and i was just like looking out the window and i could see so many different um people's bedrooms oh. and like the density of people was something I was just not used to because I grew up in Tacoma, Washington, which isn't terribly dense. I went to school in Seattle, which at that time was not as nearly as dense as it is now. It was totally different. And it was just so much, so much energy, um, just the, the overall kind of mindset of the average person in San Francisco didn't really align with me. And I was ready to get out of there and go towards you know, um, well, the East Bay, which I saw to be a little more spread out, a little more laid back, a lot more diverse, which to me um, 
is, is absolutely necessary and refreshing. And yeah, I was excited to move in together and make a really big change and just go for it. Yeah, it was, uh, it was the right choice for sure because it created this incubation period. Yeah, it was a transition for, year. For both of us where we were, I was so isolated from everything I was doing. I still had to commute to Orange County coming back and forth. And I, that was, that was a really hard That year. was a lot. We would, we would um, drive once or twice a month from Oakland to Orange County yeah. in our car and back. Yeah, to finish the training commitment that we had. Yep. And, and during the week, I'd commute to um, San Francisco mm-hmm. the long way. The long, the long way. way. Getting up at 4 in the morning. Yeah, getting oh. up at 4, leaving at like 4.50. I just went through like a period of isolation, which I really needed to like process and learn and move through some of the major, major life lessons that have come up in the two years prior. And really like kind of look at myself and how I wanted to be in the world and mm-hmm. lots of different things. But it was clear to both of us from really early on, obviously, if we move in together in three months, that, you know, that was, we were going to be in a lifelong relationship. I don't think either of us said that instantly. Um, but we're, so going back to this cafe, we did a very good, we did a good job of not having to ask you a question. Going back to this cafe in Costa Rica. We're just providing extreme detail. Mm -hmm. So much detail. Clean the house before we start the podcast. All right, just get on with it. So we're in Costa Rica in the cafe, and we're eating, and we decided we're moving in together, and he's talking about, like, what kind of dream house we want to buy together one day, and, like, do we want one kid or two? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, you know, we're talking about, like, it's no big deal, so it's obviously, you know, we've decided this is of like that this is the direction we're going and I go we're I was gonna change my website from the website I had before into like a shylasarkissian.com kind of thing and I was like I wonder if I should just go with a more ambiguous name rather than Shyla Sarkissian so that I don't have to change it later to like Shyla Lee Peters or something you know after we get married and he was chewing some kind of food and it like almost fell out of his mouth. And he made this like look on his face like, wait, what? What do you mean get married? And what ensued was this like conversation for a while about, you know, was marriage important? Did he want to get married? Mm-hmm. And he, you, I remember you had this like aversion to it in that moment. And I remember yeah. feeling super hurt like, wait, what? You're planning our kids in our house, but you're just going to skip right over this step of marriage? And so I thought it would be kind of valuable to talk about like that, that fear that you had of it and all these other steps that you wanted to do, but marriage not being even in the the thought process uh, Mm -hmm. of those steps and Mm -hmm. what changed and how did it change? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's a a very deep one and, and it's a good example of just getting too ahead of oneself um, before setting the foundation. And the foundation being commitment, marriage, um, union, so that you can have that base to go on and have a home together, have children together, um, and there's solid... Um, it's a solid foundation. 
for me, I think a lot of that stems from my childhood and upbringing and what marriage meant to me or what marriage was, what about marriage was told to me. Mm-hmm. So growing up, my parents weren't married um, and weren't even really in the, the same house for most of my childhood. Um, so I really had no concept of what marriage was for. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, you know, I, I made it to adulthood. I made it here without my parents getting married. So it must be fine to not have to do that. Um, and I also didn't have any examples outside of my immediate um, household of marriages that worked mm-hmm. and what the benefits were. And it's also told by, you know, folks, the, the downside of marriage. Oh, they might take half your stuff. They might, um, it, <laughs> you're going to be miserable, um, this, that, and the other thing. And ironically, when we got married, there, was no, there wasn't half of stuff to take. Yeah, we you don't know? have any. We don't got any shit. So it's like, well, there goes that big worry, mm-hmm. you know? And I think it was just growing up without any examples of what it means to be a man within a marriage and seeing the the fruits of a solid foundation. Like what does it look like when children are born in a marriage, in a, in a, in a household where there's um, continuity between the parents? There is, there are both parents there. You know, there's understanding, there's love. I had lots of love growing up. There was no shortage of that. It's just, um, there, there was no no union, right? Uh, no balance of masculine and feminine immediately. And then as I got older, you know, I wasn't necessarily shy to make commitments. You know, I had had long-term relationships. So since high school, you know, it would be a phase of long-term relationship, not long-term relationship, not, and just, you know, just a few. Um, and once I was in San Francisco and kind of making, you know, building my own foundation, I had friends who were older than me, um, which was very awesome. I was very fortunate to have that. And one of them in particular, um, my friend Dave, who's married, has two amazing kids, and I saw for the first time like a peer and also a man I really respect, be a father and husband and have a wife there and the ways in which they shared the responsibilities and how happy those kids were. And how, since I saw him horizontally, eye to eye, peer to peer, I knew that I could do it. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, wow, okay, well, like, Maybe this isn't for suckers like I thought, you know, or whatever it was that my, um, whatever my preconceived notions about a married man were. So that just started to 
mature. And then we moved in together and it was just after a while, no question about whether or not we were going to get married. Yeah, there was the, the fears and a lot of the fears had to do with, could I actually show up in a more mature version of my own masculinity without those examples in my life? And when I really looked at it, I did have and do have examples of that in my life. Um, and if I didn't, I would find them, right? And even if you don't have them, it's still up to you to, 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 to be your own version of it regardless. So then it started, the idea of marriage started to be exciting rather than scary. And... Also, I wanted to like show not only myself, but you how much you mean to me and how much I respect, love, and am excited for our reunion, our life together. So it just it became something that I was kind of unwilling to do or didn't even have on my radar to something that I was excited to do and embraced. And here we are on the other side and we're married. It's pretty crazy. We'll be married. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean... Happens fast, huh? I guess sometimes. I, I mean, almost every other relationship I've had in my... Adult life is longer than the one that we've been <laughs> two years later-ish, you know, not even, and, we're, and here we are married. Well, that's how it goes sometimes. I remember yeah. when I was in San Francisco, a client of mine, um, I, was, I was oversharing about our relationship issue. Um, <laughs> I was working on my boundaries at the time, <laughs> clearly. But uh, she made this comment that really stuck with me, which was, you know, it's, it's supposed to be easy doesn't have to be extremely difficult. And I always thought about that and kind of used that as a gauge or a barometer to see if something would work. And it's easy to oversimplify that because no matter what relationship you're in, it's not going to be easy. Yeah, I'm over here like, oh, this is the hardest relationship but, I've ever been in. But the connection has a lot of ease to yeah. it. Right, like there's, we have no issue connecting. And when things get difficult, they're fucking hard. They're not fun. When we get in a fight, it's real. It happens. Yeah. And it's not, it's not fun. But we work it out. And we get back to the ease. The ease is where we kind of sit together. And I think looking at that idea of ease and like not comparing necessarily to past experiences but sort of like just taking what I learned in them and then knowing what the things I've learned since then it's like the ease for me is like here we are and it's easy to go deep mm -hmm. into the challenging <clears throat> parts of ourselves and the challenging parts of our relationship 
Mm-hmm. And that's where the ease is for me. Like this, like what I've learned about marriage and the path to marriage is it is the most inner work, self work, vulnerable, soul stripping experience that I've ever had. Mm-hmm. It requ- it's been really hard to buff out the edges and the pieces of myself that were either too selfish or too, you know, um, immature, not deep enough, all the things that we're not selfish enough or yeah, yeah, that's, that's another side of that coin. Not selfish enough, creating boundaries, edges, learning who I am inside of a relationship was something I had to learn because I'd been so overly immersed and bonded in every other previous relationship I had that, you know, I had to learn how to be my own self inside of something with someone. And that was so hard. And we continue to learn. It's something that is not mastered in a year of intense inner work. It's not mastered in five or 10 years. It's something that has to be constantly worked on. Mm -hmm. From my experience and from what, you know, people who are much, much older than me have said and told both of us. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the key for me, though, is working uh, with people who are much, much older in the sense that they've been through so many iterations of what relationship is and reached mm-hmm. a level of maturity that they could help me help, help me help myself find a sense of self. And I by no means think that I'm there, but... There's such a difference between the way I would operate inside of a relationship and the way I operate now inside Mm -hmm. of a relationship. Like it was so the ease for me is in the ability to go deep and the commitment that we have to ourselves to do our own inner exploration. That's where the ease is, is knowing I have a partner who is super committed who like loves therapy and loves inner work and loves doing his Mm -hmm. his processing and digesting of his experiences that for me is where the ease is because the stuff that having a mirror and a partner and in a lot of ways like we've discovered we're you know each other's opposites um in a lot of ways and so meeting that opposite knowing that it's a piece of you that you have to cultivate for yourself and then taking on the challenge and the responsibility of i'm not going to outsource this piece of myself to you i'm going to create it for me that's been a lot of work for me. Mm-hmm. A lot of work for me. Um, but the connection is there and the ease is there. And in that sense, um, I totally know what, what the client was saying. Mm-hmm. But then on this, on that like super simple, obvious layer, like if someone were to come to me and ask me like, oh, is your marriage or your relationship easy? I'd be like, no, it's the mm-hmm. hardest thing I've ever done. Is your relationship with anything or anyone easy? Not when it's real. Not when it's real. Not when it's real. When it's, and that's the difference. Like in past experiences, I've had what felt, you know, especially in the in, in the longest and the longer ones, like a love and, and a depth. And what I realized later was both of us were, from my perspective, were so afraid to really show ourselves mm-hmm. that we lost the connection. We we're so afraid to show ourselves. You might not have known who you were. I, I you how know? can you show yourself? If you don't know exactly. Who you were? Yeah, yeah, and that's um, that's one of the things that you know, has made this path really rewarding and like makes me excited to have the rest of our lives together because it makes me want to be a better person. It makes me want to know myself more Mm -hmm. and I don't feel the same fear of losing myself, you Mm -hmm. know, getting wrapped up and not being able to, um, I don't feel the fear of permanently losing myself. 
So another question, can I ask you another question? You can ask another question, okay. yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about something that happened early on uh, for both of us that was interesting, and this is maybe for some of the people who might listen to this podcast that are like into the you know timelines and esoteric things and you know that type of stuff, and also in a really practical way, what happens when you're confronted with um, mortality, when you're confronted with mm-hmm. uh, things really drastically shaking up inside of you. So one of the questions, or I guess things to talk about is, shortly before we connected, so we had, Keen and I had met at a um, event together um, back in May. Yeah, May of, of like 2017? That's probably right. right? I don't I know. I let's don't let's know. go with that. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, because that would be two and a half years ago or so. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we met in like May of 2017 at this event, and we were seated beside each other. And at that time, um, I was had really been struggling for a while in the relationship I was in, um, and you know nothing came of our meeting. We sat beside each other at this event, and it was like, "Hi, how are you?" And you were in a relationship, and it was just kind of, um, you know boundaries and edged because that's how it needed to be at that time there was definitely like a I I look back at it now and there was definitely so to speak a cosmic connection being born but um, I didn't have any sense of it then Um, I think because we both were concerned about protecting the integrity of you know what we were in at the time Um, and fast forward September of that year I ended up in the hospital with a really complex case of uh, gastrointestinal disease. I had um, quite a few different um, bacterial infections inside of me. And long story short, it resulted in a total of about 15 days of of being really sick and in the hospital and like dozens of antibiotics being pumped through me resulting in septic shock right at the end where it came like I had a sepsis nurse everyone was in there and it it came really close to to death and that was a really eye-opening experience for me at the time for so many reasons um which we'll talk about on another episode but for the purposes of like our relationship what happened was it was after that that a mutual friend had told Keenan that I was sick and in pretty bad shape, and he had just reached out and sent like a like a Facebook message or something like that. Um, <laughs> I think it was something like, "I'm glad you're still alive." Yeah, super romantic. <laughs> it was like, very romantic. I, I heard you were well. We weren't in a romantic place yet. He was like, "I heard you were maybe sick and maybe gonna die, and I'm glad you didn't," or something something along that line. And um, we started talking after that, and you know, it led to talking more and more and more and more and FaceTiming. But um, my whole world was rocked in that experience of being in the hospital and being sick. It was, there were hallucinations, there were visions, there was, you know, three times, there was a removal of my appendix, an incorrect removal of my appendix, um, all kinds. (laughs) As in it didn't need to be removed. As in it did not need to be removed. Um, And all kinds of things that I had, that I've been working through and had to work through, but that really hit me in a deep way. And, um shook something up inside me and and woke some things up inside me how I was living life how did I want to live life what needed to change what needed to happen 
Um, and it just sort of set me up on a really curious path. And prior to that, in July, yeah, July, maybe June, June or July of that year, I had gone to Mount Shasta for a retreat where um, we worked with some healing medicine that um, kind of created an ego death type experience. And that experience was so profound that for a while after it, I actually like thought that I had died and was living in this sort of purgatory place. And that was then followed up by this experience where I almost really did die. And there was sort of this overlapping theme and feeling and energy moving between those two events. And on the other side of it, um, it was almost like I wasn't the same person. It was almost like I didn't live the same life. The things I liked to do were different. The ways I saw the world were different. Everything changed. And then my life changed drastically. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> friends changed. Like Relationships changed. Everything changed. And then, interestingly, only a month and a half after that, you had your own experience. So maybe you can say... Was that the question? Well, first, yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's the longest question in the history of questions. It's my first podcast. Cut her some slack. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, my question is, is about, you know, how... <laughs> you're the worst. Just talk about what happened to you. <laughs> talk about me for a while now talk about you um well like you explained i also in such detail detail, i also almost died um but what what was what is the question (laughs) the question is about how do you think that these experiences each of us almost dying Mm. influenced or changed you know the direction or the course of our life. Okay. I guess I could have just said that. Well, <coughs> I think, broadly speaking, it was a giant wake-up call. Mm-hmm. A giant wake-up call to grow the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Um, to, for, for me, what, what happened is I was going to work really early in the morning Mm, I'll back up a little bit. We actually hadn't decided to move in together yet. We didn't decide on a timeline. We were going to maybe give it two months or maybe just do it really soon after we got back from Costa Rica or something like that. Because mm-hmm. um, you had a lease that was ending. That's right. And I went to Costa Rica injured. Mm-hmm. That's right. So we were trying to figure out if we are going to move in together or um, what the status of our relationship really was. Yeah, because we'd have like six dates, so you know, it's important to really define <laughs> I, mean, that. I think six is generous. Um, um, yeah, but what happened was I was commuting to work. I was driving down this big hill in the Presidio in the, the top corner gate. Driving on a bike. Yeah, driving on a bike. Driving on a bike. Um, and I decided not to wear my helmet that day, which was really silly. I always wear my helmet, and I just didn't that day. Um, and I was going down this hill and it was dark outside and there was a car that was getting ready to go down the hill before me and I just went so I didn't have to be behind them and slow down and the car followed really close behind me and this hill 
swerves a lot. It's serpentines down through these eucalyptus trees, and there's a, a barrier on the right-hand side. And I was going down, and I was going down the really steep part that has a bit of a, an elbow, a turn to it. And the car was still filled following really close behind me. So I looked back, I was like, oh man, he's really close. And I looked forward and I looked back at the moment where I should be turning left and I was going straight for this freeway guardrail that was like these six by six inch uh, wooden posts with a metal sheet on the front of it. We've all seen those things. Thank God they were wooden posts and not those sort of um, I-beam things that they can also have. So I tried to swerve out of the way. I missed the first impact and then sideswiped it. And my chest went straight on to the guardrail and the posts that held up um, the rail hit me in the chest at like 30 miles an hour four or five times, fell off my bike, fell onto the ground and just couldn't believe what had just happened. Like when I hit it, I didn't feel any pain. It was almost as if I was, only my, my head, only my eyes were there, but my body and my brain and everything else was outside of my body watching it. Like a, like a video game character, but in real life. Like if you had a virtual reality video game character and something was happening to it, and I was like, oh man, is this, is this how it happens? Is this how I go out? Is this how I just, I'm done? I'm done? I can't be done. I'm not done. No way. And I'm lying there and I'm coming back into myself and I move my extremities, I move my hands. Like I'm in a lot of pain in my chest. It's really painful. But nothing's broken. Like everything kind of works. But the pain is just like pinning me to the ground. So I hear people, you know, um, I can't really do anything other than, ah, that's about it. That's about all I can do. And people are asking each other what happened. And the guy behind me actually <clears throat> goes in front of me, turns his car around. So it's um, uphill, I believe. I don't even know if he turned his car around. I think it was actually still facing downhill. But he told um, the paramedics when we arrived and the other people that he was just coming up the hill and he saw me hit. This is the guy that was behind <laughs> This is the guy that was behind me. <laughs> Because in my head, I didn't see him as really doing anything wrong. I messed up. But the fact that he lied about where he was in relation to my crash, I was like, oh, mm, maybe I should look at that a little deeper. But I, you know, just, he gave me a half empty bottle of water and said good luck, basically, and drove off. Oh my gosh. Um, and I got into the ambulance and then I went to the hospital and was given morphine because the pain was so bad. But like, my bike was fine. Absolutely, it was crazy. Everything was fine. It was a new bike. It was totally fine. Uh, it was in the in the ambulance with me. People gave me morphine to ease the pain, and that was nice. Got into the hospital, did X-rays, and like, you know, had some kind of otherworldly experiences in there. And then it called you up on the phone, and long story short, told you that I loved you. And then after that, went home and you flew down. Basically, immediately you were there the next morning or that night? That night. That night. And took care of me while I, I couldn't move. I was just like, oh my God. Nothing was broken. I, I was really bruised. 
Yeah, you know, the scratches. There was a lot of blood. I, there must have been because you had scratches all over. You scratches know, everywhere. I had three layers of clothes on, and they all had this like horizontal gash, like someone slashed me with a knife across the chest. And every article of clothes had this same gash in it. Yeah, so right here. Hurt. So you know, I talked to my, you know, my therapist helper at the time about it. He's like, well, you know, sounds like a wake up call. Like, who are you to think that you can out race a car? Mm. You know, it's pretty, <clears throat> it's pretty special. It's pretty, pretty careless, pretty reckless. It's like, hey, sounds like a wake up call. And for me, it all that translated into it's time to grow up it's time to start committing to things start time to start really taking steps in a new direction and you were in my life so uh, you're such a centerpiece of my life at that time and even more so now that it was just obvious that like that's the direction I need to be growing up towards and four. Um, and shortly after that, we went to Costa Rica. We moved in together. We moved to Oakland. Then we moved here a year after that. And we got married. And I've grown up tremendously. And I'm so happy I didn't get really injured. Because I, when I tell the story, I, I tell people that I got as hurt as I possibly could have without getting injured. That was, that, was, that was the truth. It was so painful, so much trauma to my body. And at that time, I had probably 17 more pounds of muscle on me than I do now. Mm-hmm. And it seems like I had just been training for the last seven months to prepare myself to have enough padding to make it through <laughs> that. Because I don't think I would be in a very good condition if I were to do that again in the the shape I'm in now, which is much healthier, but less padded and protected. So anyways, it was a wake-up call to grow the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Oh. You took this as long as I did. Oh, were you, were you tiny? No. <laughs> no, but I'm glad that you did. Um, it's always really interesting to, to me to look at those moments and what, what was happening and when you get past them a year or two years, if ever, like look back, it's like, wow, there was a lot going on mm-hmm. inside of that space. <clears throat> and your life changed so tremendously after as well, you know, um, like you call it growing up and um, from the outside looking in, it, it definitely was like that. Like you, you were talking at the beginning about like having models of male, you know, like masculinity in your life about in relationship and marriage and this kind of thing mm-hmm. um, watching the, the change that you went through it's like you found the way to embody a lot of those qualities that you were seeking hmm. yeah. maybe they got knocked into me yeah <laughs> <I can't remember. laughs> maybe they got knocked into you um, so another thing I wanted to ask about was right before we got married like the month or two leading up to it, there was a lot of intensity coming up for me about a lot of different things. And I'm curious, like in your own journey and your process of growing up to come to that moment, um, what was going on for you in the month or two 
leading up to it? Um, just generally speaking, or? No. Um. Like, what were you confronting? What was rearing its ugly head? What was it rearing its ugly head? I think... Um, I think nothing necessarily ugly, more challenging than, than ugly. It was just, I'm being asked to show up as the masculine pole to this marriage of masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. And I think a part of me was like, who am I to embody these traits, these characteristics? Um, who am I to to um, have an urge to become a real man when I haven't had any examples that I, at least I didn't think that I had had any real examples. And there was a time of deep sadness and grief um, where I even, I, I cried over not having those things. And I wept and I could imagine I was like embodying my younger child, young boy self asking the universe, asking God, asking, just asking for, you know, for dad, for father figure, for examples of how to be, maybe at that time, how to be a young boy, how to be a man soon, how to be, how to to, to be really. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I went really deep into that, after I kind of hit the bottom of it, started coming back up and I was shown that like there was, there were a lot of examples and I was really lucky. Um, you know, there's a, I had a godfather that I could look up to. I could look up to my father in many ways. Um, my friends and when I was younger and their dads, right? And of course, you don't navigate that territory necessarily um, perfectly, but like, you know, there's great books that I was exposed to almost as, you know, these serendipitous encounters. Like, you hear this weird radio station and it recommends this book, and you start picking it up, you start reading it, and that's the book for you at that time. And having great coaches and, and mentors. So it was kind of this, this, this slide into deep longing and the sense of loss and betrayal almost into coming back out of it with gratitude and warmth. Um, yeah. I actually forgot what the, the question was. What was the question? Just what was coming up for you. Yeah, that was, that's what was coming up. It was huge. Um, and then there just comes a time when, especially when you're about to get married, I think that's really the... the men have very few ceremonial rites of passage in America, in the Western world at this time. And they're really important because we don't have a built-in one. We don't menstruate. There's no indication that we've become mature men and transitioned out of boyhood. And 
Aboriginal peoples around the world notice the importance of these sort of gateways into different chapters of one's life and a boy's life into manhood is huge. So I think I just decided to embrace our ceremony and our wedding since we could we were going to make it our own as that. And having witnesses there to witness that is also very very powerful. And when we were <clears throat> that whole time in Canada, the whole two weeks we were there, especially the our wedding day, I felt that was the most mature I've ever been in my life. Yeah, I felt that too. That's you know, good view. It was just this 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 glimpse of who you are. Not all of you. This is this is who you are. You can you are this. Yeah, of course there's times when you regress. And of course there's times when you're not showing up as mature as you possibly can because no one can operate on no one's perfect right but there are moments in my life where i get these little glimpses of what is possible and embody those things and it's like okay yeah this is this is not just not only possible it is it is a part of me and yeah that was that was huge to have that um on top of everything else it meant to to get married it was a very profound transformative experience mm-hmm. does that answer your question yeah <laughs> <laughs> satisfied 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 most of my stuff about it wasn't was also around the masculine yeah so that so brings me to my question for you hmm what was coming up for you? There was a lot. <laughs> like, I feel like there's always something coming up. But in this context, I had a lot of healing to do around the masculine, my masculine, the masculine of. Um, you know, in particular, one of the partners that my mom was with when I was a teenager. The patriarchy, you know, this broad term that we use to describe the system we live in here. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely a, a topic that is worth a couple episodes on. Yeah, there was so much learning about that that, that you would have to, I feel like we, we could d- devote a couple episodes to it for sure. Um, but there was a lot about that, like... Not to, I won't get too deep into it, but what was my willingness to be married? Mm-hmm. You know, what was my willingness to be in union with the masculine externally? Mm-hmm. Obviously, of my own masculine to, to, to work with, but what would it mean to, to be in that? And what would I have to sacrifice? What beliefs would I have to sacrifice? Like, even the smallest thing when we went to the uh, get our marriage license. And then oh, yeah. and they're like, what will your new name be, you know? And I just, I like had this whole process around changing my name. And I realized that like my, my last name is my father's last name. But my parents also weren't married. And, you know, it's my relationship with my father growing up was definitely um, the, the, I don't want to say the primary relationship with my parent because my relationship with my mom was 
very important too. The influence that was directly exerted over me, you know, was coming from my father in the sense of how I saw the world, my worldview. And um, I didn't want to give that up. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to give that name up. Mm -hmm. I was really uncomfortable and I didn't want to tell you that I was struggling with it. I mean, I did because we we do that. We tell each other all the the hard things, but it was really hard to tell you Mm -hmm. that it was a struggle because I didn't want to offend you. I didn't want to think you think I don't like your name or like I don't want your name. Um, But I was like, this is who I am. And like I went through a process around like, well, why does the woman have to give her name? Why does, you know? <laughs> Meanwhile, you're inheriting two names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But none of them are from. None of them are yours. Are mine, right? Because right. your parents chose to combine their names to make your last name. Yeah. So that was an issue for me, right? It was like, okay, so I get his mom's name and his dad's name, and I give up everything that's mine. And and you don't, I didn't realize like that that was going to be such a thing. Um, and now it's like softening uh, for me. I, I'm not feeling such a. I think, and I brought it up to, to my coach, and she was like, well, just wait to see how you feel after the wedding, mm-hmm. you know? And after the wedding, that really dissolved. And I think there's a lot to be said about the ceremonial process that happens when you um, when you get married. And when you go through that, that rite of passage, I think there's a lot to be said about it. It changes your perspective. It changed my perspective, and I no longer felt like I had to fight with that idea because I felt like we were in this this circle you know me as an individual in the circle and you as an individual in the circle and you know this circle around both of us Mm -hmm. and that way you know it was it was a new thing and and um, I didn't feel as angry but because I had had all this stuff coming up from patriarchy prior to that it was just like this fine this final nail in in that that wound not final I'm sure it'll go on for a long time but this yeah, I don't think that's one you just heal and it's done with. No, but to be fair, you saw like my process around it was pretty extensive. Oh, I remember. <laughs> you were the face of it for some of it. I was the patriarchy yeah. in this house. Yeah. Oh my gosh, and I took so much of it out of me at some at some points. But I was so angry, and and it felt like from my, being in that with you that you had a lot of your own awakening around that oh absolutely and around the man's you know the things that we that sometimes men don't see in, in their very 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 often right i was being generous for our male listeners you know, and i'll just be as honest as i can like i was blind as a bat and still am to a lot of aspects of how you know i contribute to um the patriarchy at large yeah. and yeah yeah there's there's a lot of healing between us about it and you know, so that was the biggest thing that came up for me was like that it just was like rearing up that. And then like surprisingly, you know, the few days before this huge wave of, of like guilt and grief about my past partner came up, mm-hmm. right? This this huge wave of like, I don't know what he's doing. I don't, I know a little bit about what he's doing. I don't know much. We don't really maintain contact. I never communicated. We were getting married. I mean, I'm sure, you know, social media does that. It, but I didn't know if he knew or not. I didn't, there was nothing um, about that. And I had this huge layer of, of grief. And then I felt really guilty about the grief. Like, I'm not supposed to have that. I remember like, that's when you were like getting something out of the closet and just like dropped. <laughs> I just like laid down in the closet. Moira Rose style. Yeah. Just like, ah. Oh, I'm not coming out. I'm never gonna... And I was just crying. And like, I mean, 
what I've learned when a big emotion comes is for me, I got to, I got to stay with it Mm -hmm. and like, let it, it was almost like it was trying to give me that. It gave me that huge release of it so that I didn't carry it into the marriage Mm -hmm. and I don't feel it now, Mm -hmm. but I, but it was like one last hurrah of that guilt and grief of like, and I just felt so much guilt for not having been able to make that work and judged myself for not having been able to make it work and for the perception of the pain I caused by leaving the relationship. It's kind of like we just got a very deep cleaning before we left to go get married. It's exactly like that. A really deep cleaning. And it's good because like I can imagine if I tried to stuff that down and not go into it, it's just it's not going to go away. It never goes away. It's going to come back stronger. Back might be up there all happy and then start thinking about I'm not worthy to do this or some something like that. Why you know? do I get to have this happiness if I mm-hmm. if somebody else doesn't or why why should I build or be feeling this way? And we don't know if that would happen. It's just like it's just always, always, always easier in the long run and better in the long run to just go into those big feelings. Especially before a big event, a big life changing moment. Yeah, and I, and I did. And I was so grateful that you supported me because that's one of the reasons, too, I knew, like, for sure. I mean, I knew it was right to get married, too. But it was like, I don't have to hide this at all. Like, no. you know, I can look at my husband-to-be and say, like, with 100% certainty, I want to marry you. And I feel sad and miss this person's presence in my life and, and, and feel grief around their departure and how final that is while walking through the door with marriage. And I was never worried you would like judge me or think I was bad or wrong or, you know, um, that showed me the quality of the ease that you talked about. That's the ease that all these things can happen. And yet, um, we're there for each other with honesty and realness. Mm -hmm. I I never have to hide anything from you. And that's so refreshing. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like I had to hide so much of me in the past with people and that was me that wasn't anything to do with them that Mm -hmm. was just where I was at in my my process as growing up into a person I I don't have to wear those masks Mm -hmm. now and I'm so grateful for that and I'm so grateful at our wedding that we didn't wear any masks we just like just let it all hang out Mm -hmm. all of our weirdness all of the Mm -hmm. things we do all of our feelings all of our feelings and um, that was so cool it was so cool to be able to do that with each other. It was awesome. It was so awesome. I'd say I wish we could do it again, but no, let's it's just one do of those, let's one. just do it that one time. <laughs> you only get that one time. You only get, it's all, it was, it was as close to perfect of anything that I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, it was close, pretty close to perfect. Yeah. Being seen, that was the other thing. It was nice to be seen by all the people that we love. Mm-hmm. And for me, allowing myself to be seen. Like, even this podcast is like a gigantic exercise in being seen mm-hmm. and allowing being seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the wedding was definitely that. It's kind of the theme, I guess. Being seen. And I think. And with that. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. Good. I think we've thoroughly covered it. I want to say before we stop, thank you, you know, to a lot of the people since we're talking about our wedding. Yeah. To the people who were key players in it that really like made shit happen that day and who really showed up and who really did the things. And so 
I God, I'll probably just like hate myself and forget someone or leave something out. But everybody, I'm so grateful to um, every single person, and I'm sorry if I forget anyone. But just really saying thank you to the people who are in our in my bridal party for me. You know, um, Jamie was my maid of honor, and she kept me calm, cool, collected, laughing, doing all the things. I feel teary eyed thinking about these people and how special they are to us. And Katie. Um, Ty as a bridesmaid like literally just like shielding me from the world and anything that was happening and taking care of me um, and you know just like staying up until two o'clock making flowers and running around getting a bridal kit and making signs and just like putting eggs in my mouth the morning of when I was like I can't I can't do it I can't eat anything you know that was so cool and uh, Ju, Juliana our, our roommate who was with us and her um, love and support throughout the whole thing and like the depth and the dimensions that have been birthed uh, in my relationship with her. Like I just feel so grateful for that friendship and just like everything that, that's come of it. And Christine for taking our photos. Like she just nailed it and did an amazing job. Um, and you know, helping us with our flower arrangements and putting everything together and staying up all night working on them. Like that was so cool. and. Um, our parents for their for their love and their mm-hmm. support and everything they did that day to help us and um, some of the financial support they were able to provide and just like making our dreams a reality. Like mm-hmm. I feel so grateful for that and for everybody that traveled so 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 far mm-hmm. to come and be with us and spend their time and their money and you know Erica for marrying us <laughs> like that was huge um, and Annette for doing the hand fasting with us and you know uh, creating such a rich ceremony yeah and I, I echo those um, words of gratitude and also want to say thank you to um, my group of guys that were up there mm-hmm. Eric my cousin my best man it was awesome really appreciated all that support um my brother Gabe, it was so awesome to spend time with him, you know, just share that moment. And my friend Chris, who was, you know, I was in his wedding, it was the only wedding I'd ever been in, and it was great to have two people up there who had been married and done it before, and he was really, um, really instrumental in keeping me very calm. and. Um, like telling me not necessarily what to expect, but that like it's all going to be fine in its imperfection. It's all going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then I think it's worth repeating. Thank you to our parents. Yeah. Made it. <laughs> made this possible. Because yeah. <laughs> if it weren't for them getting together, we never would have been born. And <laughs> we would have found each other. And if it wasn't for their help, we couldn't have had such a beautiful ceremony. So. And there, for, you know, on the parents' topic, I just have so much appreciation and love for all of them. And um, some of the healing that I got at our wedding, you know, with my parents and, you know, particularly with my mom, just like making that point here to, to say thank you to my mom because it's not been something I've done in my life a lot. We've had, you know, a lot of challenges in our relationship and it feels so good to sit here and say, like, I'm so grateful she was there and I had so mm-hmm. much fun with her. And, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so excited about my relationship with her and my sister and freaking Sheldon 
that's my sister's boyfriend. He put up the archways and did all the things. It was the first time we ever met him, and he was a total, total champion. So mm-hmm. it was just so cool to see everybody come together and, and just do the whole thing. And, you know, um, and, and thank you, you know, to the rest of the people who supported us and set things up. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of love and support. Shannon really helped to uh, make some space and uh, set things up while we were we were getting crazy. And my cousin Emily and just just everybody. So grateful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So with that. With that, we will see you next time with a topic that's different than this, this topic. <laughs> All right. Bye.